back ladies and gentlemen mds is back covering week three we're super excited we've got an exciting prompt for you as well but overall just an action-packed week of football we've got plenty to talk about plenty to dive in we've been texting each other all weekend just going over some of these games right now as we as we're uh, recording we're actually recording on a monday um hence the monday down south this is a miraculous moment for our organization but um as we're speaking here, the Philadelphia Eagles are playing against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cincinnati kicks off here pretty shortly. But um, overall, just an action-packed Sunday. So many things to discuss. Obviously, Miami crushing 70-20 um, to 20 here. The Denver Broncos, no answer. We're going to get into every single game. But, guys, I'm going to open it up to you. Any specific headlines? I think I just might have alluded to one here. But uh, crazy week of football. And quite frankly, this is my favorite week. Week three. You really got to see a lot of the offensive powerhouses completely unleash these offenses. Um, you know, you're starting to see a couple of trends here with some teams. A lot more teams 0-3 than there are 3-0. and um, So there's going to be a lot of uh, organizations that kind of have to get back on track. But, guys, headlines. Um, what are some key takeaways that you've seen the first three weeks of the season? You know, Sorry, you got anything? You know, I can't really – before this prompt, I can't really speak to anything beyond that um, Miami, Denver, just trashing that was put on that you mentioned because I don't think anything else can do that justice. So I think post-segment during our recaps, maybe I'll have a little more critique, but I just feel like I need to give Miami their spotlight that they deserve and Denver their spotlight they deserve in a different way. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there for now until, uh, until post-segment. Uh, post Sweet. Yeah, no, a good intro, Zach. I, I'm trying because we haven't done Monday in a while. I'm going to try not to be super distracted since we got lots of bets and fantasy going right now with two games going on. So, you know, I'll try not to, but I got the games on my phone here scores wise. But uh, I mean, my biggest headline here, as many sports podcasts have been today, is not a ton to do with football, but it's all pop culture, right? I mean, Travis Kelsey <laughs> was able to get Taylor Swift to come to this game and she's having a blast up at the booth. I mean, man, shout out, shout out Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's that's an impressive move. And he whisked her away in the convertible after the game and had a nice little after party with some of the people from the team. So good did, stuff. Did you all see uh, kind of how he announced that, like on the Pat McAfee show for the for the viewers and for y'all? It was it was epic. He he went on the Pat McAfee show and they quizzed him about it. And he goes, he, the Pat McAfee's like, so yeah, what's the situation with Taylor Swift? He's like, listen, man, I'll keep it real with you. I said to her, you know, you rock the show in Arrowhead. Now, why don't you come to my show and see who cheers louder or who they who they cheer louder for? And I was like. Could you could you put that in a, like a better way? Like Travis Kelsey is that dude, and I'm happy to see that that's that's the current situation. Everybody was joking that this is going to be like the most epic breakup album ever. I hope I hope that doesn't happen though. I hope that doesn't happen. I'll leave it there. Ev, yeah. Ev, which Swift and Kelsey combination are you talking about? Because right now our boys, you know, Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift are getting Ooh. on right now, and Swift is running all over the field. So I was just curious to see which you know. Which combination you were Zebo, talking you're about. getting a virtual high five for that. That was such a great segue. Like I I'm... saw it on ESPN. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Damn, I was Yeah, I saw it too, but it's still still good stuff. Hey, I love them both. I will say I feel like the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift relationship is more of a friendship, but hey, you know, I hope it's more than that and you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. That's just that's just Absolutely you know my view. Not just a friendship. That's my view. Yeah, that's Well, it's like, you know, it's kind of in between, you know. If you catch my drift, but uh, maybe yeah. maybe that's plenty for this episode. Hey, <laughs> we're getting yeah, we're getting we're getting on a direction or, yeah. or a derogatory direction, Evan. This one looks like it is going in a progressive direction. And Andy Reid, people are saying Patrick Mahomes is the best wingman ever. I would argue Andy Reid is because he called that play strictly for Mr. Travis Kelsey himself. Didn't need to throw it out. They were already smoking the Bears. But they went ahead and they called that play anyways. Travis Kelsey gets to celebrate, hold that football up for his girl. 
True that. Love it. True that. Love it. And while we're on the topic, Golden Bachelor is Thursday, Zach. Are you going to watch? You know, my girlfriend is not quite into the bachelor lifestyle uh, that uh, you know, I used to be of. Uh, those might be those might be days behind me. I who am I kidding? I'm gonna be tuning in. You know, who am I kidding? I'm gonna be tuning in. I love it. We'll have to recap. Nah, not so much. Not so much. But uh more of a bachelor paradise guy, you know, but uh it's also back Thursday, but uh, anyways, anyways, let's uh, so let's dive into the topic here. Plenty of chit chat. Um, you guys mentioned the Dolphins, uh, the Bears. Um, we had you know there was a lot of great football, but there was also a lot of terrible football this weekend from a few specific teams. You mentioned those two. Um, I'll shout out my Commanders and Sam Howell that were an absolute disaster class as well. <laughs> so we figured we'd lead into those and do a topic today that that you know highlights some of the worst performances we've seen kind of in our lifetime, so to speak. So that could be a team, that could be a player, um, it could be anything along those lines. So. Um, so I can I can start us off. Um, the first one that came to mind as just an absolute nightmare performance as a player, and I'm going to go with the Nathan Peterman five interceptions in the first half game um, for the Bills. I forget who they were playing, um, but the dude just went out and threw five interceptions in the first half. It's pretty simple and self-explanatory, and then got benched for Tyrod Taylor at halftime. So. Um, yeah, I don't think it gets much worse than that. I mean, Sam Howell had four this weekend, but that was in a full game. I mean, five and a half is unbelievable, truly. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. So that's my first one. All right, hey, piggybacking off of that, I will also give you a player. I'm going to go with, and I actually remember watching some of these games with Mr. Saikunamini himself, <laughs> Cody Parkey, double doink. If you guys remember Dude, that series yes. a couple years ago, he had five doinks off the crossbar and two double doinks one of them coming in the nfl playoffs the 12 and 4 chicago bears mitch trubitsky led probably the only good year he's ever had um hosting the philadelphia eagles cody parkey gets up in soldier field in chicago with the opportunity to win in fact chicago bears players were telling eagles hey, you have nothing to worry about. You're going to be at Turks and Caicos vacationing on the sidelines. Like, don't worry. Life's going to get really good for you so soon. And then Cody Parkey double doinks off the crossbar after the entire year had been ESPN analysts making fun of him for not being able to hit. He, he, hit, he was so accurate. He was the most inaccurate, accurate quarter or, uh, or kicker that's ever been known in the NFL because – for missing so many field goals, he was able to hit the upright so many times. So it's actually kind of impressive, but obviously goes down in infamy, missing the field goal in the playoffs to end the Chicago Bears season, and they've never had a good season since that period of time. So I figured I'd give Cody Parkey a little shout-out here for all the uh, the disgruntledness that he unfortunately had to go through. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I'm going to – That's a good one. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to go with – and, you know, I, I, I want to seem like I'm not biased, so this is why I picked this one. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl, their entire offense against the Seattle Seahawks. To have arguably the greatest offense of all time, Peyton Manning have the greatest regular season and up to that point greatest playoff performance for a quarterback arguably ever. And to go into that game, and I understand Seattle, greatest defense we've probably ever seen, um, if not up there. But for them to go out there and get absolutely steamrolled in a Super Bowl where you were supposed to, you know, put up the, the best offensive numbers ever for a season and have that happen is, I mean, it's brutal, man. And you can't point to one specific person, like the offensive line all the way to Peyton, all the way to the receivers, all the way to the running backs. Everyone got steamrolled. But that's one that I'll always remember because I remember I was watching that game with my buddies in South Carolina. And as you guys know, I'm a huge Peyton fan. And – Literally after the first quarter, I got up and walked out of there without saying a word to anyone and went home and watched the rest of the game by myself. That's that's how upset I was. So I'll never forget that one. So I'm gonna put that I'm gonna put that up there for me. That's a tough one. Yeah, that was one that came to my mind as well. But um, I'll stick with I'll stick with Zach's theme on kickers. This is a, a very recent one. Um, but last year's playoffs, first round of the playoffs, Brett Maher missing four extra points in one game. Like, I mean, similar to the INTs, I just don't know, you know, you get the yips sometimes, you know, we've all gotten the yips, I'm sure, you know, um, a time or two, um, and Brett Maher in, you know, one of the biggest games of his life just said, man, 
I'm going to go 0 for 4 on extra points, and then I'm going to force us to go for every fourth down here on out um, when we otherwise would be kicking. And unfortunately, it cost him his job as he's now. Um, I think he has a job elsewhere, but um, I know he's not the Cowboys kicker right now. So real shame because he had a pretty incredible year, actually, uh, and was one of the better kickers in the league. But, you know, just kind of choked there. And luckily, it didn't matter for the uh, for the Cowboys there as they, they you know, hand, handled that game quite easily without a kicker. So. This is my memory of the Colts. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the Andrew Luck, um, Indianapolis Colts versus the, I believe it was the, um, I can't believe I'm, but the Kansas City Chiefs, the Alex Smith Kansas City Chiefs, where the Chiefs were, were up, I believe it was 35-7 to 7 at halftime, um, and the Colts ended up coming back and winning that game on like an absurd second half. I don't understand how you blow a 35-7 to 7 lead if you're the Chiefs, but that's got to be one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen in the second half, and arguably one of the best comebacks I've ever seen. So that's always going to be a memorable one for me as a Colts fan and arguably Andrew Luck's most iconic game um, in a short career in the NFL. So I'll always remember that one, you know, with one of my goats. So that's one that I can think of right there. Yeah, speaking of the Colts, my my last one will be a quick honorable mention is the uh, the deflate gate game. Obviously, we remember it for what Tom Brady did deflating the footballs, but don't forget that in the AFC Championship game, bad weather, the Colts showed up and got beat. What forty five to three, Cy? Something bad. Yeah, it was brutal. Just completely outclassed and outmatched um, in the weather too, allowing forty five points in a bad weather game where the defense has an advantage. Just Legarrette Blunt running all over him. So we remember it because of the ridiculousness of you know the Patriots deflating footballs in a game they you know didn't need the advantage in clearly. Um, but hey, the uh, the Colts showed up to the AFC Championship and got uh, completely decked. And I mean, there's so many good ones, right? There's like Malcolm Butler interception against Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl. There's the butt fumble with Mark Sanchez. I'm going to go a different one I feel like is not talked about enough, and it should be. The New Orleans Saints in the late teens, like 2017, 2018, 2019, um, anything like right around like pre-COVID, they were unbelievable. Drew Brees, Mike Thomas, um, this offense is a well-oiled machine. The defense was just a complete unit. Um, a lot of like you know guys that are still on the New Orleans Saints defensive roster today, but just like a little bit younger, they were just a complete juggernaut and ran the NFC for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always hosting teams in the Superdome in playoff time, and you thought that was an automatic win for the Saints. They never went to the Super Bowl during those years. They got so close multiple years, but who did they lose to? The Minnesota Vikings were Drew Brees' kryptonite. And it happened two years in a row, and the year that I'm thinking of in the playoffs was when the Minnesota Vikings threw that bomb from Case Keenum to Stephon Diggs. And then Diggs like ran around a corner and ran for like 60 yards into the end zone. Touchdown, season over yet again for the New Orleans Saints. Curb stopping um, any like potential addition, like potential like Super Bowl victories for Drew Brees more than like the one he won in like what 2010. So figured I'd give that one a shout out, and uh, I don't think New Orleans gets cracked enough for for that. But they could not beat the Minnesota Vikings when Stephon Diggs was in uniform there. I think it was the uh, that was a really good pick, Zach. Like a really good pick because they really don't get enough crap for it. I think it was a year prior that they were also in the NFC Championship with the Vikings at that point. And if you guys remember correctly, that was – I was literally in New Orleans during that game about 100 – like not 100 yards, but like a couple hundred yards away from Saints Stadium because I was there for my cousin's bachelor party. And do you guys remember that was one of the worst calls in NFL history – or one of the worst no calls in NFL history on the no P.I. calls. Rams remember? It was against the uh, Rams. It was the Rams, the Rams sorry. Team, yeah. Yep, the Rams one, and where, where Zerloin hit that insane field goal. That I will say they got screwed on that one because that Saints team looked like they were easily going to – not easily, but they looked like they were going to a championship win at all. So that was that was a brutal one. But to be fair, Zach, that reminds me of when they absolutely steamrolled the Tom Brady Buccaneers in the like regular season twice. Like It looked like the Buccaneers had no shot, and then they go to the playoffs, and then they just absolutely choke immediately after so you're you're on to something there i will say that they had a couple of pretty brutal stretches when they were a good team so that's a really good one i'll make one quick one because i want to give evan a shot i think the chargers last year 
the second half against the Jacksonville Jaguars is the one that I wanted to save for last because it was the most recent. You had no business losing that game being up 27 points. You basically had to make every mistake in the game and then some. That was, since it wasn't the Super Bowl, I, I, you, maybe people don't argue it aside, but that was worse than any playoff um, you know, loss I've ever seen in, in the history of the NFL. Like, you basically gave that game away. That's the only way we were losing that game. So I remember, like, literally laughing. Like, I was so, like, I was so shook I was laughing. Like, that's how bad that game was. So I'm going to put the Chargers on there. And that's true Chargers fashion, as Evan alluded to last oh. year, too, last week, too. They are the absolute worst. I think I've got it. My, I came up with a couple honorable mentions on the spot. One is TCU in the national championship game last year. Um, obviously, they were just completely outclassed, but that was pathetic. Um, and then, Zach, you mentioned the refs. What about the replacement refs in that Green Bay-Seattle game on Monday Night Football during the replacement ref era where they just completely bombed it? Um, I feel bad picking on those guys because they had no business being there, but uh, well, you know, they were just doing their best. Explain what happened during that. Game. I don't even really remember. I just remember it being like like one of the worst calls right at the end. It was like a hail mary, right? Right at the end. Yeah, one ref had his hands up. Oh right. Had his like hands like waving it incomplete, and the entire stadium had no idea what the correct call was. No, it was a hundred percent. It was a hundred percent an incompletion. It was an interception, actually. So what happened was the defender picked the ball and then the receiver reached around and put his hands on the ball. Um, and then they called it a reception for the receiving team for a touchdown to win the game. And it was like the worst call. Like, like you could clearly see that it was an interception. That was insane, dude. That was a really good one. It was a good one. Love it. Should we jump into uh, some recaps? The one thing that occurred to me about, uh, did you guys see that? Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz both reached out to the Jets um, and kind of being like, hey, I'm down to be your starting quarterback if you want. And I feel like the Jets were like, eh, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that headline, but I got a kick out of it that uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan and, and, yeah, and Sport, well, I, they had, unless they, you know, all of a sudden changed their mind. More so Carson Wentz. I just see him like, you know, like, like bro, I'm down. You know, hit me up, hit me up. And they're like, man, we'll stick with Zach Wilson, the worst quarterback in the NFL. But, uh, that occurred to me when you mentioned Matt Ryan. So I guess we'll jump into recaps. Um, I guess we're updating the scores for you guys. Eagles up. They scored a touchdown, so it's 10-3 Eagles. Rams are up 3-0 early. So um, Thursday night football, Giants 49ers. Giants were really beat up injury-wise. 49ers steamrolled them. Um, my takeaway from this game was I'm still out on Brock Purdy. I think he's not a starting quarterback for any other team in the NFL is my Brock Purdy take. You guys got any interest in that i mean i mean I, I it doesn't really like for me personally it's like even even if you're correct about that it doesn't matter because he's still good enough for the niners at the moment in my opinion and i don't think like they're going to be making any drastic moves at the moment and debo and and george kittle put on a clinic along with christian mccaffrey so that team is just so without brandon Ayuk, they did that like that's how good that team is it don't matter for me I can't tell if it's an Achilles heel for San Francisco 49ers, but they do not go deep. They don't even, like, target a deep throw. And I think they can get away with it because Brock Purdy is really accurate from, like, the short to midterm. I don't really think he has a great deep ball. But when you have Christian McCaffrey, who's averaging, at this point, like, six and a half yards a carry, it's unbelievable what he's doing. Debo is just a man amongst boys, carrying defenders, getting yards after the catch. He's so elusive. And then you've got guys like, you know, um, the kid from Arizona State. I don't know why his name is escaping me right now. He's been killing it um, from a Ayuk. touchdown standpoint. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, when you have guys like that, I haven't even mentioned Kittle's name in the equation yet. Um, this offense doesn't need to go deep. They just need to be methodical. And that's actually like what's even most in, most impressive about Kyle Shanahan at this point is – He's not really targeting like all the way down the field. So those safeties may creep up. They don't really respect Brock Purdy and they're still getting the job done and ramming it down people's throats from like yard after yard. So very impressive on the 49ers. And I'm just not sure if you guys had noticed the same thing, but they don't really seem to throw the deep ball compared to other teams. He has no arm and he's not accurate anywhere. I disagree. He's even accurate short um, because it's like with, with how yard after catch oriented they are, it's like if you throw if they're running those slants that they always run, right? Even if you just throw it a little bit behind Debo or something, it inhibits his ability to get, you know, 
you know, even more yak, right? Because he, he doesn't catch it in stride. I'm, I'm just not a Brock Purdy fan, yeah. but well, he's to be enough. Fair, yeah, to be fair, he's Mr. Irrelevant. So it's not like it's not like he's expected to be some grade-A quarterback. And the thing is, they're 3-0, and and they went to an NFC Championship with them last year, and he got hurt. So when you think of it that way, like – it's, it's pretty hard for them to move on from him, even though I do agree that obviously their ceiling would be way higher with a better quarterback. Anyway, I'm probably... Well, and his contract allows them to be able to afford Christian yeah. McCaffrey. So, yeah. you know, obviously I think he's the right guy for that team. I'm just saying people are treating Brock Purdy like he's some ten, top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and it's garbage. I watched, yeah. you know, having watched that whole game. Um, anyways, uh, I'm just going in order on the NFL app here. But, uh, Cy, your Colts pull a big, uh, big road upset. Um, with the backup quarterback, game-winning field goal there in overtime, Matt Gay went off. So, oh yes, sir, he I'll, did. Pun- I'll punch it to you to uh, hype up your boys here. I just want to put the league on notice about our defense, man. I've been talking about our defense for for a couple of years now, and I said last year to you guys too. Like, obviously, we struggled when you look at the statistics, but in reality, we're out Shaq Leonard, and even then, we still had some games where our defense, like would show up for a full half or three quarters and by the end of the season they'd be or by the end of the game they'd be exhausted because our offense would have three and outs every time they're out there but in reality our front seven is just loaded with playmakers and we got young guys in the secondary which is very similar to some of the better defenses in the nfl so i want to put the league on notice about our defense that's one thing i don't want people sleeping on and uh if we get richardson back healthy in the next week or two and jonathan taylor actually does decide to play we're not just going to be some cakewalk in the AFC South. I don't expect us to like compete for anything crazy this year, but um, I appreciate Zach Klein making the making the take that he did a couple weeks ago because I I agree like optimistically like I agree that we will make some noise because we're very methodical. Like we just Zach Moss like Shane Steichen knows how to run the football. Our offensive line looks way better this year. Like we do have a solid like core, but the problem is our receiver position is. It's still like Pittman is solid, but outside of him, Joshua Downs looks awesome actually as a slot receiver. But we don't have like a playmaker at the receiver position. So if we're gonna blow the, the you know the roof off somebody, we don't have that ability right now. So I'll put it there. But I'm I'm just super proud of the team to to take it into overtime when it when a gutsy game against Lamar, um, in that circumstance, and it was on the road too, right? Like that's super impressive. That's super impressive. Yeah, it's true. What's also super impressive is the original take I had taken on Jared Goff being a top 10 quarterback. I've received nothing but laughs, mockery for this, but I think it's about time that we acknowledge that because this guy is killing it and he is instrumental for this Detroit Lions team. I mean, I don't really chalk the Falcons up at being that, that good. I think they're way better than people thought. But Detroit was very much expected to win that game. But they came out and they completely dominated. And um, Jared Goff is just very efficient on the field. He gets the ball to a lot of different receivers. Um, They're getting Laporta uh, very quickly acclimated into that offense. And boy, is he good. Like, he is unbelievable. And this is just the start. I think he is going to finish as like a top five tight end, potentially. I think he's going to take off at this point. Mm-hmm. But Jared Goff just controls the offense. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but he had that like crackback throw where he threw it across his body for a touchdown. It was like a 40-yard touchdown. And he was just looking at his arm like this, looking towards the sideline like, I am that guy. And I actually like that. I like that um, that that arrogance. I think it's good for Detroit. And uh, I think Dan Campbell is the type of head coach that will keep him humble. But you got to let your quarterback go. And um, – He's doing a really good job. So I wanted to shout out him and the Detroit Lions right now. Yep. Uh, go ahead, e. if you want, if you have any, anything to say about that, because I want to focus no. more on uh, I want to focus more on the Falcons than I do the Lions or that one, right? And because um, obviously, first of all, Zach, you are right, and I was wrong. Um, I think I said that to you like the first episode of the season that I was clearly wrong about Jared Goff, and I'm biting my words right now. You were 100% correct, and he's only looked better since then. But for me, this is more about the Falcons and how is Desmond Ritter a starting quarterback in the NFL? Like, I said this to Evan last week when you guys won that game. It makes zero sense to me. It's like him and Zach Wilson should not be playing football in the NFL as starters. It makes zero sense. You cannot have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier on your team and you score three points? Are you kidding me? Like, 
it's it's absurd. Like I don't understand what the Falcons are doing with that experiment. Maybe they're just trying to punt and hoping to get a quarterback in this draft. And ideally, if they do, their your offense is going to be set for a decade. But it's just frustrating to me because I really want to root for you guys and watch you guys play football because you have so much young talent that I love. So I just wish that they would give them an opportunity to shine. But I'm going to make this take every week, so I'm going to I'm, I digress for now. Yeah, I got nothing else to add on that one. I, I Jared, I, I'm actually uh, plug. I'm going to start publishing weekly quarterback rankings because I feel like I do it for fun anyway, just with mm-hmm. buddies. So I'm going to try and start publishing them. I think I did a quick draft. I think I have Jared Goff at like 11, so I'm close with you, Zach. I like that. I'm close, not quite 10. My problem is he's not good under pressure. He has like the best offensive line in the game, and you know if you're able to pressure him, he's not good at all. Like he needs a clean po- pocket. Uh, but if you give him that, he's really good. Um, I don't love that you skipped over the Ravens portion of the Colts game because I was going to victory lap that Lamar didn't look good again. Um, and unfortunately, Cy, great win for the Colts. I'm not going to take it away from you, but that was a hold. That was a hold. And sure. <laughs> sure. You got you got lucky, but uh, but sure, they, they'll but... make some noise in the in the wild card there. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but in reality, if it's if you're at, if you're at home and you're playing a backup quarterback on a team, you shouldn't even be a position where that matters. Like the fact that it got to that point, like. Like, there's going to be missed calls everywhere. You should not have let that game go to overtime in the first place. Like That's on you, like in my opinion. Like, I, Ravens, I agree. I think I think it's more about the Ravens. Now, they have, t- they have a million guys out, but I think it's more about the Ravens. And the offense looks the same as the past few years. Anyway, I keep talking about the Ravens every week, but the, the, haters in, the haters in my comments are down 2-1 to one by my count um, this <laughs> season. So it's we'll see about next week. I boy. <laughs> Um, Titans, Browns, bad bet on our end. The Titans suck. Uh, the Browns, yeah. you know, without Chubb, Deshaun, thought throwing it backwards to Elijah Moore at one point would it be smart. Did you guys see that play? It's the most hilarious play I think I've seen in, you know, NFL history, like top five, where he's like under pressure. It's like in Madden, and he just flips around and he just chucks it backwards. Uh, but he actually played pretty well overall. Um, and the Browns steamrolled him, so I don't have too much on that one, but. Let's yeah, go. Uh, let's go. Charger. Oh, uh, Sai, you got something to say? No, 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 no. I was just gonna say. I just the Titans are just the they're, yeah. That's it. <laughs> go ahead, Zach. Doesn't matter. Yeah. No, the Titans. We can never bet on them again. They're so unpredictable. Um, <laughs> all right. Chargers. Chargers finally came away with a victory here. They always play close games. They have no business to play close games, but for some reason they always find themselves in these tight um, decisions. But. There's one thing I wanted to call out. So towards the end of the game, they're up by four. There's like a minute and 50 left, and they're on their own 24-yard line. Mm-hmm. They decided to go for it. They didn't convert. Mm-hmm. I love that decision. I love that decision. Brandon Staley, everyone talks about when the analytics don't go in your favor, and they didn't once again, but he came away with a victory, and I love the aggressive play calling because what essentially he's trying to do is he's saying, okay, I know we are on our own side of the field not a smart decision when you look at how football has been played for the last 50 years but i believe in my offense so much that i'm willing to risk that knowing that kirk cousins is going to have to drag that offense back on the field and have to score a touchdown to win the game now they're only going to have 24 yards to do it and they got awfully close asante samuel jr played himself a great last part of that game because jordan addison the ball was right in his hands before it got deflected but I love that call because it shows you believe in your offense and it shows that you're willing to play the analytics game. And even though that didn't work out this particular time, it did work out from a game standpoint. So hats off to Brandon Staley for playing aggressive. He gets a lot of criticism, um, but I love the way he coaches and from, a, from an aggressive standpoint. I think he has a lot to do. He needed to bring the OC in. I get that. But I like, I like the game management. I'm not going to lie. That might be a hot take. I'm just looking at your reaction, Evan. It's it's hilarious. Evan and I, Evan and I talked about this game last week, or we talked about both teams. And the irony, Zach, was we both, me and Evan, both like, like Evan made a point about the Minnesota Vikings, and I was essentially like, the Chargers are like the Vikings of the AFC. Like, both teams just have like absurd amounts of talents, but just find a way to put themselves in these weird positions. And how appropriate is it that this game ended on a turnover? Like. This game ended with one team turning it over on downs and the other one turning it over the end zone for the team to win. Like, that's the most appropriate way for these two teams to finish the game. <laughs> I just want to give a quick shout-out to Keenan Allen because I've had a lot of people this year, especially in fantasy, talk about, oh, Keenan's old, he's washed, and all this nonsense. The guy had 18 receptions for 200 yards and then threw a 50-yard touchdown on top of that. 
Um, he was three short of setting the NFL record for receptions in a game. So shout out Keenan Allen, dude. He's a dog. Yeah, I'm kicking myself because I was weighing on Keenan this year, but the cards didn't really fall to me in my three leagues, which is a, a real bummer. Should have forced him onto the squad. But yeah, I just couldn't be more out on that take, Zach. I'm going to be honest with you. And beyond the decision to go for it, didn't they hand it off to like a fullback or something? Beyond the yeah. fact that this team without Austin Eckler, who pay Austin Eckler, dude, because Joshua Kelly, when he comes onto the field, like absolute useless back. Um, fantasy major- managers, including myself, just you know, in shambles over this. But uh, you're going to run the ball in that situation. Like it's one thing to go for it, but like put it in Herbert's, hand- Herbert's hands if you're going to do it. I mean, that team can't run the ball without Austin Eckler. So, but awful decision to begin with. Kirk made the throw at the end, but it was dropped. Unfortunately, uh, it was a tough catch, but uh, good throw by Kirk. But um, yeah, Mike Williams torn ACL as well. Um, real bummer. So, um, That's a real bummer, yeah. fantasy managers, Josh Palmer, not uh, yep. Quentin Johnson. So yeah, don't, get it, don't, go, don't, get, don't get it the other way around. But, uh, yeah, you know, this game kind of went, uh, like I said, you know, just pure, pure kind of uh, enjoyment of watching these two teams try to win, but ultimately just kind of get closer to losing it. But um, Saints-Packers, I don't have a ton. Low-scoring game, impressive win for Jordan Love to come back. Didn't play his best, but, uh, you know, did it late. Um Came back and got the win in the home opener at Lambeau. Big win for them. Unfortunately, uh, for the Saints, Derek Carr looks like he's going to miss a few weeks. So, um, Kamara's yeah. back this week. I don't know how the Saints lost that game. That was actually like amazing. Yeah. They managed to lose that game. But anyway. Yeah, that was a tough one. Texans upset the Jaguars. This is a decent one to talk about on, on both ends. Um, so I'll let side. Do you want to pick a side, I guess, first and yeah. jump on this yeah, one I'm a little gonna- bit? Yeah, I mean, I th- you guys can talk about Jacksonville because I think I'm, I was less in on Jacksonville than you both were. So I'll let you guys talk about them. I'm going to give Houston their due. Um, CJ Stroud, shout out to him. Even last week when in the Colts game when they were down a lot and we were straight up blowing up the line of scrimmage, he was managing to make plays. And their young receivers look good, dude. Tank Dell, Nico Collins, these guys are showing up. Um, unfortunately, their offensive line needs to improve. And yet, even with that being the case, they want a, a tough – gritty division game and and it wasn't even really that close against the you know the team that's by far and away favored to win the division so i want to give stroud and the texans and D'Amico ryan's a ton of credit especially on the defensive side because they didn't look very good on defense against us last week and then this week against calvin ridley and christian kirk and lawrence and company um you know evan ingram they did a really good job so i i, I think the texans if, if they can keep this up they got a good future ahead of them that's that was an impressive win I think everybody's overreacting. I think the Texans are going to remain bad, and I think the Jaguar, Jacksonville Jaguars are going to still be a great football team. I think they, I think they rebound very quickly under Doug Peterson's regime, and I think the Texans have so many missing holes that they're going to go right back to mediocrity, um, actually below that. So I would, I would disagree um, from giving them even prompts. I mean, they put up 37 points. It's nothing to play with. I will give them that, but I don't expect that at any other point this season. Like, I don't think they're just – I don't think they're heating up. Like, they're going to continue this trajectory of scoring a lot. Their offense definitely has some bursts, but I think they're going to go right back to where they're normally used to. I think it's more about building blocks for the future, like Sai said. C.J. Stroud is that dude, man. He looks awesome. Yeah. He, you could argue he's a top ten quarterback in the NFL right now. Bold take, but like you could argue, you could make that case. He looks so he's good. He looks yeah, good. You guys are giving the Texans too many props right now. Anyway, Yo. Tank Dell is a stud. Nico is a stud. Um, size right, the offensive line is is bad, which creates problems. But and specifically on defense, I think it's it's the pass defense that's terrific. I saw some fantasy stats about how they just don't allow passing touchdowns really. Um, and I think probably the run defenses are just how the Colts were able to beat them up. But, um, yeah, they, they're building something. The Jaguars, man, they haven't looked good in any of their games so far. Um, although the Colts look like a pretty good team, so maybe the fact that they were actually able to win that game by a touchdown or so is actually a good outcome. But they they got to get it together. I mean, you know, they got so many weapons on offense. Trevor hasn't played particularly well. Um, the defense needs to be quite a bit better. So, I don't know. Still on the Jaguars because I don't think it's the toughest division. But, um, yeah, they don't look like the, you know, Super Bowl sleeper that exactly. I kind of had them to be. They look like more of a middling, you know, middling kind of middle of the pack AFC team. So, um, Broncos, Dolphins, the the, uh, the big one, a 70-burger, 10 touchdowns. 
Um, Devon, not a chain, a chan now, as he clarified today Mm -hmm. in the media guide. Raheem Mostert, Tyree Kill, Micah Daniel is a wizard. The Broncos are a disaster. (laughs) What else we got? He looks like the guy from Burn Notice with his shades. Yes, he kind of does. He kind of does, yep. Mike McDaniel is running Miami. Not only is he putting up 70 points in this last game against the Denver Broncos, using the full forces of his, uh, his offensive scheme. He's got offensive juggernauts. Raheem Mostert is running like he is 21 years old, not 31 years old. Um, and he really does. He looks like the guy from Burn Notice. I mean, he runs Miami at this point, especially with those shades. So got to give him a shout out there. It's, it's kind of absurd, too, because when you think about two things, first of all, Mike McDaniels looks like the antithesis of, like, a Miami person, like literally the exact opposite of what you'd look, you'd expect someone to look like who would live in Miami. And that's why this makes it all the better because he goes into an environment like that where success is not expected and truly is something special in the sense of how he manages that game. And he makes it look easy. The other thing is they dropped a 70 burger on a team who is supposed to have a good defense. Like this wasn't some like, Oh, you're walking in like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not pretending like they're a top defense, but talent wise, they have playmakers across the board. They just haven't been able to figure it out this season. And it's not like they went and dropped a 70 piece on like, you know, what was expected to be the worst team in the NFL defensively, right? Like this is even more impressive as a result of, you know, you're playing against Patrick Sertain and you drop 70 points. And the craziest part of it all is we're talking about all these guys and nobody's mentioning the fact that Jalen Waddle didn't even play. <laughs> like, and they still dropped 70 points. I mean, this is stupid. Tua's actually the front runner for MVP right now, which is amazing. Like, that makes me so happy to see. I'm all aboard the Miami train. Evan, I'm joining your I'm joining your carols. Like you you teed that up. I was I was always a fan of Tua, and now I'm just like getting so excited because I just want to see a guy like McDaniel win, man. Like he's just He's, he's just awesome. I love that guy. His sweatsuit with the sweatpants rolled up to, like, his shins, like, always kills me. I'm like, bro, what are we doing here? But he's awesome. I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. I don't need to say anything more. Yeah. Um, I'll throw some uh, some negatives out just to, you know, play the other side here. But uh, I we got to stop pretending like the Broncos have any form of a relevant defense. Like, we're just – we're digging, like, three years ago to the last time they've really been – I mean, last year they were okay, but – like they gave up five touchdowns to the commanders. Like they they have a horrendous defense, um, despite how good Sertan is. And the the other thing I'll mention about the fact that they were able to get it to seventy. The thing I remembered this weekend from more of a betting standpoint is that in September or in those hot days in Miami, you know, or still early in the season, the opponent's bench is like directly in the sunlight, and the Miami bench is completely shaded. So like you start getting down early and you just get tired because you're getting the sun beat down on you and Miami's over there chilling in the shade and then you just start to give up. Um, and I don't think uh, a Russell Wilson and Sean Payton led team is the, you know, really going to rile up the troops to, uh, you know, to run through a brick wall for them or, you know, for lack of a better term. So again, I'm, I've always been out on Denver. So, um, but yeah, Miami, Miami, Buffalo coming up this weekend. That'll be fun. We'll talk about it in picks, but whoo. Um, Washington. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, just yo, yo, a disaster. E, e, can I tee this one up? I want I need to tee this up because last week having came on this podcast and we gotta, we always give each other crap when, when, when crap is due and Evan came on this podcast last week and he said, we didn't have, we didn't get the segment out, which makes me sad, but he said word for word. I believe this will be the game where people realize Sam Howell and how good he is. Word for word, that is what he said. And then Sam Howell throws four interceptions, and I'm sitting at a wing place with Patrick, and I'm like, every time it happens, I'm like, poor Evan, man. I've, I feel like this is Evan's fault because he said it, and then this immediately happened. But I'll tee it up with that, and I'll let you take over from there. No, I, d- I did say that, and I did think that was going to happen. Um, real bummer. I um... Real bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I lost my train of thought, but, um, damn, I lost my train of thought. I had a good point. Um, but yeah, they just got, they just got, I mean, dominated. I mean, the, like not to make excuses for Sam cause he played horrendous as well, but like the dude got sacked nine, nine times. The offensive line from a pass blocking standpoint is just an absolute nightmare. Um, bad game plan from the enemy. They should have been running the ball a lot more, which is the way you beat Buffalo anyway. 
Um, but yeah, he played horrible. I Oh yeah, the point I was going to make, I did, Sai, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I was like, that me jinxing it. I did start to feel before that game because a lot of, a lot of media people were kind of starting to come on the commanders and specifically Sam Howe. And I was like, I mean, he had one good game against Denver and the first game he didn't play well at all either. I was that, So that made me a little nervous that that was going to be the case. But uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be a nice coming out party for Sam in a big home game. And it was just a, you know, disaster class. Ron Rivera called it a measuring stick game before the game. Well, <laughs> now you know. The, you're, you're a little far off that uh, the, uh, the top of that stick or whatever, how you want to say it. So not good, not good at all. You know it's bad when you're down by like 33 points and your team scores a touchdown and the entire bar starts field goal. Oh, sorry, it was field a field goal. goal. A field goal, yeah. <laughs> you kick a field goal and the entire bar sarcastically goes off, like excited that you guys put up points on the board. Like that's how like that's how it was and where I was and in in the DC area. One thing I do want to point to though is sorry, do you want to say something to you real quick? I was just going to say, people at the game were even doing it, like in the stands, like high-fiving each other. I was like, oh, my God. But. Yeah, one thing I want to point to, though, is I, and I want to get Zach's take on this, which is why I'm bringing it up. I want to get your perspective on Enemy because I am so out on Enemy. I know it's only three games. I know that you've won two out of three of them. But I don't believe in Eric Bien-Aimé. If you If you look at Jahan Dotson, he's the perfect example of why I don't believe in Enemy. Like, the fact that Jahan is – not even had a decent game yet, much less a good game. And, you know, everyone and, and their mothers was in on Dotson this year. And also the way he treats his players. Like, I've seen the highlight reels of him, like, screaming at, like, like you know, Jaco- Jacoby Brissett to shut up when he's trying to, like, talk to him and things like that. Like, time over time, people have talked about how, mu- how like, much of, like, a not good person he is in the sense of the way he treats his players. And then beyond that, I don't see a lot of creativity from him. So I can kind of see why it took this long for him to get this coordinator position, and I'm out. Like, it's three games in. Maybe I'll bite my words, but for now, I have no faith in Eric Bieniemy, And especially with Ron Rivera, who, as, you know, was an amazing coach at one point. But this just feels like a bad duo right now, like in the sense of long-term success, even though I do like Ooh, some of I your can, playmakers. I kind of like him. I kind of like him. Really? Sorry. Wow. I do. He called himself a great game plan, too, against Denver. Well, I turned the game on in the third quarter, so I was obviously able to see a completely different picture. But I I like the fact that he's a disciplinarian. I think Washington really needs that. I think they've been pampered under just terrible ownership, uh, constantly, um, you know, floating like GMs, offensive coordinators. Um, And I think Eric Bieniemy has a has a mission, has a plan, and. You know, if people are uh, not on that agenda, then he's going to crack them. And you got to, I mean, they're two and one, and uh, they're fighting for a, a very tough um, position here, winning the division, arguably the hardest division to win um, this season in the NFC East. So you got you kind of need a guy like Eric Bieniemy to step in and, you know, have his offensive scheme and commit to it. Because if you don't, then you're going to see what we saw with the Jets last week where there's a lot of bickering on the sidelines. Michael Carter, the third string running back, is yelling at his uh, running backs coach like he's about to get in a fight with him. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson is yelling at Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett. There's just chaos on the sidelines. Not to completely transition games here, but if you don't have an Eric Bieniemy like disciplinarian, even if he's not the nicest guy, he obviously has a great scheme he's putting together for a set or what a fifth round drafted quarterback who's hanging in there right now even a storyline um is impressive enough like he is playing relatively well outside of this last game so it's like if you don't have an eric b me then i'm worried you have like a new york jets franchise where you know the wheel gets loose and then the entire car you know can't move anymore because you got a lot of personalities that want the football and there's just commotion on the sidelines and obviously their their season's over at this point i'm not sure if you guys wanted to talk about that game at all i'd agree with you if the players respond to it and that's the question that i want to figure out this year as we watch the enemy which is maybe why he hasn't been hired as a head coach the last five years but maybe it'll prove me wrong and yeah i don't want to keep going down the rabbit hole but that's just one thing i noticed from that game that i wasn't a big fan of yeah i think just to close it uh i think he more it's just like personnel wise we're not quite where we need to be to fit his scheme because he wants to do what the Chiefs do, right? Which is open up the run game with the pass game, right? Pass first, mm-hmm. then opens up the run later, which is what he's trying to do. But Sam has no time. Again, and again, he's a you know inexperienced 
you know, third career game guy to begin with, much less he has no time to pass. Whereas our offensive line can actually run block well, and Brian Robinson is a stud. Like, that dude yes, is a beast. Is, yeah. So they need to be running the ball to open up the pass. He's doing the opposite, which I get is his philosophy, um, and that's fine. But, like, you got to build the team better um, if you're going to do it that way. But, uh, yeah, I don't have much to add on the Jets. They're, you know, I want Zach Wilson to work, but it's not going to work. Kirk Cousins could be going there. Actually, I forgot to mention on the Vikings. Um, Kirk Cousins, to uh, if they're willing to do it, I could see the Vikings start to blow it up. Um, Look to future years if this gets, you know, worse. They're already 0-3. Jets need a guy. It's a one-year deal. I think it's perfect. Good call last week, Si. They're smart. They'll do it. I'm guessing you'll probably get like a – I'm guessing you'll at least get a second-round pick for them, which is, you know, which second or third. I mean, the Jets would be desperate for it. They they think they can win with them, so they might do it. You guys want to uh, jump on over to uh, picks here? We got – yeah, we, we're, we are low on time, but we got to talk about the Cowboys. Yeah, Thank oh, you. I forget about that team. Yep. Cowboys, man. Gosh, they are the gift that keeps on giving. And shout out to the Cardinals. Like, I said this actually during my pick segment as to why I thought the Cardinals would cover because they're like on offense, they're just, they're running the ball well. James Conner looks awesome. Dobbs isn't turning it over. Like, they're just playing sound, solid football and their defense is playing well. Um, but the Cowboys, Dak, Dak's just not that guy. He's not that guy. Uh, he is that guy, though. And I think no. the Cowboys are still one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't think. I'll put it this way. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's not that guy. I think he's just a guy. And what I mean by that is everything else needs to work well for for them to win with them. And I think he's capable of winning if everything else works well. But when the lights shine the brightest and he needs to show up, it doesn't happen. And the other thing I want to say real quick is, before we completely run away from it since we talk about Taylor Swift, is I think the Bears and the Commanders should be very thankful for the Broncos this week. Because if it wasn't for the Broncos, those two teams would be getting way more crap than they're probably going to get. But the Broncos basically saved those two from two embarrassments. Because the Bears, I mean, dude, this Justin Fields experiment, like, I want so badly for Justin Fields to be good. But that's just embarrassing, dude. Like, nobody expected you to beat the Chiefs. But to get absolutely decimated in the fashion that you did after having two bad weeks already, I mean, come on, man. It makes me sick for them to have that much talent and, and have that happen. Yeah. Back to Dak, though. Did you see the the interception and, like, the coverage on it from, like, the All-22 cam? No. There, were literally, there were literally three guys that would have intercepted it. Like, he threw into awful triple coverage at, like, the five-yard line. Like, he's just not that guy. Anyway, um, yeah, the Chiefs' defense is so elite, though, that we don't talk about enough, like, how elite their defense is, though. But they, they broke Justin Fields, like – the coaching staff, which is a different coaching staff than that drafted him, right? Um, and they just, they've completely ruined him, both staffs. Like, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's sad to see, as I mentioned. Because I like Justin. Yeah. Me too. We good? Picks? Yeah. We'll yeah, skip Sunday night football. There wasn't much interesting about that. Jimmy Garoppolo might be hurt, but that's about it. Um, all right, let's jump to the board. Uh, let's see how we did last week. I... I did not do good last week. I've had some overthinking issues with my board. I went, uh, well, so far, because we got two games uncertain, but um, six and eight, disaster on my end. Um, and then you guys, Zach was nine and five. Cy, you're 10 and four. So both good weeks for you guys. Although against the spread, I'm more of an against the spread guy. I was seven and seven against the spread, which is solid. Cy was also seven and seven. Zach, you won against the spread this week, eight and six. So, um, and I'm our. listening to me, man. <laughs> and our seems media pick and parlay so we actually delivered two this week first one is well they're both pending one of them has the potential to go three and oh which would be hype and then the other one could go two and one um if we can close these out so good stuff keep grinding through it um thursday night football here for week four big game detroit at green bay um detroit is a two-point favorite on the road over under is 45 um, I can start us off. I'll say tough one. I can see Detroit or uh, Green Bay winning this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Detroit wins and covers. Zach? Detroit wins and covers. Detroit right. wins and covers. All right. Three for three. Um, next game. Uh, oh, we're back in London now, which is Atlanta at Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville is a three-point favorite here on the neutral site. Over-under is 43 and a half. We'll start with Zach. 
Shout out my sister Annie Bakulik living out in London. She's actually going to this game. Wow, that's um, awesome. That was gonna that's be really sick. cool. Uh, now, still Jacksonville's gonna win in cover. I think this is the kind of like what I allude to earlier in the podcast. This is gonna be their time to shine. They usually play well in London because they've done it so often. So Jacksonville wins and covers minus three. Right. Wait, side? Did I miss? Who'd you say they're playing? Atlanta. Okay, that's what I thought. I heard. Yeah, Jacksonville by a million. Yeah. Atlanta's still a good team. Yeah, I can see them winning this in a, in a mucky wrong. game. I have Jacksonville winning but not covering. Um, say it's a field goal game. Uh, next game is the big one. The fact that this isn't a primetime game is um, just an absolute shame, but it's Miami at Buffalo um, at Orchard Park. Buffalo's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Over-under is 53-and-a-half. Jalen Waddle should be back for this one. Cy, we'll start with you. Dude, this is so hard. Um... I want to pick Buffalo because that's at, it's at home. But I just think with Waddle coming back with all the momentum, as much as this is the hot pick, I am going to go Miami to win, in, to win this game. I, I think they'll do it. Yep. I'm going to fade the hype and fade the momentum, and I'm going to say Miami doesn't quite yet knock off Buffalo here. I'll say Buffalo wins and covers, but then later in the season, Miami gets its revenge in the regular season and in the playoffs. So Buffalo wins and covers this one, though. Zach? Uh, everything you just said, Evan, I agree with. Uh, Buffalo wins and covers for that exact reason. All right. Minnesota at Carolina is our next game. Uh, 1 p.m. We'll see who's playing quarterback for Carolina, although Dalton looked pretty good. Um, Minnesota's a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, desperate for a win. Over-under is 45. I got Minnesota winning and covering, taking care of business. Zach? Uh, Minnesota wins and covers, minus three-and-a-half. The panic button's in, and Minnesota, they're, they're going to deliver here. They're going to deliver. Minnesota wins and covers. All right. Next game is uh, the barn burner of the week. Denver at Chicago. Um, Denver gets a three and a half point spread advantage on the road. Over under is 46. Uh, Zach, let's start with you. Bad taste in the mouth for the Broncos. Uh, getting decimated like that. Super embarrassing. Um, even though they're playing on the road, they're going to win. Um, I think pretty comfortably here i think the bears have a multitude of problems so give me denver minus three and a half all right Cy? i got the bears upsetting at home all right fair enough um i got denver winning and covering for no reason at all um baltimore at cleveland's our next game we'll see if baltimore gets any healthier um cleveland is a two and a half point favorite at home let's start with over unders 41 and a half start with Cy. I'm actually going to go Baltimore after losing this week, comes back on a, on a hot streak and gets that dub in Cleveland. I'm going to go Baltimore win. All right. I'm out on Baltimore, and I think they got a lot of injuries right now. So I'll say Cleveland pounds the ball a little bit and uh, wins and covers here. Zach? This is a tough game. I mean, I'm going to go Baltimore uh, wins um, money line there too. All right. Next game, Pittsburgh at Houston. Um, Pittsburgh's a three-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 41. Um, I can start us off here. I'll say Pittsburgh wins but doesn't cover. I think Houston has a chance to win this one at home. Um, so I'll say it's a field goal game. Zach? Um, we got Pittsburgh wins and covers this spread. I think this is actually going to decrease to like a two, two and a half as the week persists. I know it's minus three right now, but I think I think Pittsburgh could sneak out a, a field goal here. All right. Cy? Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's defense has been amazing, which is why I think Pittsburgh will win by probably a touchdown. So I'm going to go Pittsburgh wins and covers. All right, and good note, Zach, uh, for, you know, just a reminder to those, we are picking these games on Monday, which is super early to pick spreads. So just FYI, don't add us if things change a lot in these numbers. But um, interesting game here, Rams at size Colts um, at 1 p.m. The Colts are actually a one-point favorite at home um, on the open, although the Rams are playing now, so they've probably locked that up until that game's over. Um, over-under is 45. Um, all starts so I can go last tough one i'm gonna take the rams um on the road to win this game outright zach me as well give me rams if we got richardson playing i'm picking the colts to win this game if it's Minshew, then i'll get i'll take the rams all right um next game tampa bay at new orleans i'm guessing Derek carr is going to be out for this you know ac joint sprain probably will miss at least one game um new orleans is still a three-point favorite at home though um over under is 40 and a half let's start with Cy. This is so hard because of like Tampa Bay winning in New Orleans is going to be difficult even without Derek Carr. Yeah, Jameis Winston, high high end backup. So I'm I'm going to pick the Saints to win but not cover. 
That's that's what I'm going. Same with All me. Right. Fair pick. Um, I have. I'm going to say Tampa Bay wins on the road because I'm guessing Carr is going to be out. Um, although you know New Orleans is built through their defense anyway, so um, we'll have to see. And honestly, I'm watching this Tampa Bay score. I'm not confident in that. I made this pick earlier and probably should have changed it. But hey, we are where we are. Um, next game: Washington at Philadelphia, 1 p.m. Philadelphia is a seven-point favorite at home. Over/under is 44 and a half. I'll start with Zach. Um, what was the cover? Seven. Oh, this is tough. I think Philly's going to win and cover, but I I like the minus five or the minus six, and I like the minus seven. So I'll still say they cover right now. Sigh. Yeah, I think this is a two-possession game, Philly, at home. So I think Philly wins and covers. Yeah, the commanders will need to change their strategy a lot. I'm surprised this wasn't a couple points higher. Maybe short worker Philly. I mean, their defensive line I think is going to eat us alive, so. Even I will say Philly wins and covers, um, sadly. Although we beat them last year in a similar type spread, so we'll see. Uh, Cincinnati at Tennessee, uh, 1 p.m. game. The line is currently even. Over-under is 43. Obviously, a lot dependent on uh, Joe Burrow's status. He's playing tonight, but if they lose, do they back off of him um, and give him some rest? You know, hard to say, but uh, Sy, let's start with you. Cincinnati versus Tennessee straight up. I don't I don't care who their quarterback is. I'm picking Cincinnati to win that game. Cincinnati as well for me. Yeah, I have Cincinnati as well, although I disagree with Sy. I'm not sure I would pick that with Jake Browning playing quarterback, but um, I have a feeling Burrow will keep playing. So, um, yeah. Uh, moving on to the 4 o'clock games, Las Vegas at uh, the Chargers. Chargers are five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, potentially Jimmy Garoppolo would be out um, dealing with a concussion. We'll have to see. Over-under is 47.5. Zach, you want to start us off? You know, these Raiders-Chargers games are always close, Ev, but this is the one where I think the Chargers actually get a comfortable win here. Um, Give me the Chargers minus 5.5. Yeah, Chargers Chargers minus 5.5 all the way from there. Yeah, I have the same, especially with the chance that Brian Hoyer is playing quarterback. Um, but, uh, gosh, I just hate the Chargers so much. Um, next game, New England at Dallas. Uh, Dallas is a seven-point favorite at home. Over-under is 43. I got Dallas winning but not covering. Belichick always seems to keep it close. Zach? It's a tough game because the Patriots play everybody close, but I think the Cowboys, from a field positioning standpoint, will create turnovers and then convert them into short-change offensive possessions. Give me the Cowboys win and cover minus seven. It wouldn't surprise me if this line changed. Um, I'm going to go Dallas wins, but no cover. All right. Uh, next game, Arizona at San Francisco. San Francisco is a full two touchdown and two extra point, 14 point favorite at home. Over-under is 44. Let's start with Cy. I made the mistake of as someone who always picks the 49ers to win and cover, to not do it last week, and I'm not making that same mistake again, even though I respect Arizona. I expect San Francisco to win and cover that game. Yeah, I was shocked you didn't do that side, but, um, yeah, 14 points. Arizona looks like a you know, decent little team. Uh, I'm going to say no cover. Win and no cover. All right. Um, Sunday night football. Um, Kansas City is going to MetLife to play the Jets. Um, Kansas City. <laughs> Size already laughing. Uh, Kansas City's a nine and a half point favorite on the road. Over under is forty two and a half. Uh, Kansas City wins and covers across the board. Or Zach, can we can we tease this up to covering twenty points, please? I made the mistake again of not picking Kansas City last week, which is the first time I haven't picked them to cover in like like eight years, and I'm never making that mistake again. Yeah, you know, the, the Jets' defense can give any any team problems, but it feels like, uh, you know, Zach Wilson's going to have another tough time. Um, last game, Monday Night Football. Finally, we're back to just one Monday Night Football game. I like that. Um, interesting little game. Seattle at the Giants. Giants have a one-point spread advantage at home. Over-under is 46.5. Zach, do you want to start us off here? Yeah, this is a trap spread game. We all know it. Um, the Giants are going to come out stronger than they have looked this season. But give me Seattle to actually win this game. Uh, Seattle's the better team more completely. And against Carolina, which is a relatively respectable defense, they drove the ball consistently down the field. 
subsidized defense um, is going to win Seattle this game. As long as they just don't give up a ton of rushing yards to Daniel Jones, I think Seattle is going to win this comfortably. Sai? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Saquon playing is going to make a big difference in this, right? Like, is he playing or is he not playing? I'm still going to pick Seattle just because I don't think the Giants are good. Like, I, I'm starting to believe that they're not that good because they don't know how to throw the football to anyone other than Darren Waller. Maybe they just don't have anyone else to throw it to. And if they're not running the ball well, you're just stuck in purgatory on offense. So I'm going Seattle. And like what the Niners say, they just double covered Darren Waller all game. And uh, yes, I mean, I agree it's kind of a trap um, going into the season. I had these teams fairly even, although even then I had Seattle as a slightly better team. Um, And obviously that gap has even grown dramatically over the course of these three games. And it's not just Saquon, but they have a lot of injuries. I mean, Andrew Thomas on the offensive line. Uh, I think they'll come out and play better, but with a long week and a half layoff. But I just think Seattle's a you know quite a bit better team, and you know good opportunity to take them on the road. So I agree, Seattle money line across the board. That's all we got, gents. Um, hopefully, we can build another good parlay for you guys. And yeah, any last words before we? Nah. Sign off. I'm liking. I'm liking this Monday cadence. Uh, I think we'll we'll get the the tailoring down a little bit better. This is our first week doing a Monday pick them after a long time. We'll try to keep it a little more concise in future weeks. But got a little excited with the recaps. It is nice though because football is still fresh in our minds. Doing it the day after the Sunday game. So I like this. I'm looking forward to more of this. So appreciate y'all as always, gentlemen. Hey, and um, for all you guys, if you guys want to come on the show, I know there's been a lot of comments, heated comments, right? Hey, if you want to duke it out on the show, we'll get you on the show, all right? And uh, if not, you know, just please keep supporting us. Like and subscribe. Um, That's key. And uh, we've actually got some really interesting news that we can't wait to share with our fan base and our audience. Um, We're going to keep it in-house right now, but we might release it next week or in the the next couple weeks. But some uh, really cool stuff we're looking forward to. So without further ado that was monday's down south catch you guys a little bit later